Welcome back to Masech Sivamos Daf Tzadi. As we make our way through the uh, Paraka Ha'isha Rabba, and we uh, really enter into the 90s and the final home stretch of Masech Sivamos. And as we pick up on the bottom of Daf Pites Amid so the Gemara is continuing to figure out whether the Chachamim are able to uproot, to be Oker or Dabram Torah, to be Oker Edin Deoraisa. We have a concept that we've been discussing. Concept of Yishkoch Biyad Chachamim Ma'akor Davar Minatora, and uh, over here on our Daf on Daf Tzadi, there are seven more proofs. And we're going to conclude that the Chachamim are for sure able to uproot a Din Oraisa in a situation of Shiv Va'al Ta'aseh in a passive way. But when it comes to a Kumba'aseh, when it comes to doing something active, that's where our question is ultimately going to lie. So we're really trying to figure out whether the Chachamim possess the authority to enact a Gzeira that will override a Doraisa in a situation of a Kumbase, an active uh, suspension or an active uh, pushing away of a particular din. So the Gemara tried to bring a Raya from this from a situation of Dine Mamanos, but ultimately at the bottom of that pay test, the Gemara concludes that we have a concept that's referred to as Hefker based in Hefker. And we can't really learn out anything from Dine Mamanos in the way in which Beisdin uh, is able to interact and whether or not Beisdin is able to be Oker, uh, some sort of Dine Mamanos. And uh, this concept of Hefker based in Hefker that ultimately, uh, similar to an American concept of eminent domain, that everything could belong to the Beisdin on a monetary level. And therefore, we can't learn it out from this particular case of Dine Mamanos. The Gemara goes on to describe a case of Yisrael that accidentally ate truma fruits that were tummy. So what he does is he goes ahead and he pays the Kohen with any item of equivalent value. However, says the Gemara, if Yisrael accidentally ate the truma fruits that were tahor, he compensates the Kohen only with fruits that are tahor, which then have the ability to become trumas. The Gemara goes through a complicated limud describing whether or not this payment is going to be valid, and if not, what has to be done to make restitution. So the Gemara concludes that if pays back and appropriately bemazed, so it's going to be good on a, uh, it's going to be good. But Del Raisa, uh, uh, um, there, uh, he, he's going to be able to pay it back, but the Rabbanon, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have problems with it. Then the Gemara describes a case, whether or not a Kedushin can be toface, and we have a situation uh, in which we have a, uh, a problematic Kedushin over here, and whether or not the Kohen, uh, is going to be able to give fruits to a woman to be mekadeshim uh, uh, and 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 ultimately enter into a status of kedushin with fruits that are tameh. And on a right uh, on a dirabanan level, we ultimately conclude that these tameh fruits are not going to be valid uh, as a uh, as a. Uh, Tfisas uh, Kedushin, uh, and through this Limud we learn Yishkoach B'yachachamim Ma'akor Minadavar Torah. And basically, when it comes to Dirabanans, and if there is a uh, a way to be lenient on a Dirabanan level, if something should be Mutter Bidiyeved, so we could assume that this is uh, something that has the ability to be Na'akar, has the ability to be uprooted. So the Gemara goes on to the next case, a case where we have the blood of a Korban, and the blood of that Korban becomes Tameh, and if it was sprinkled on the Mizbeach accidentally, so it will still work, but if you sprinkled it on purpose, it won't. So the Gemara, once again, asks, on a Del Raisa level, it should work and it should be accepted. So through a complicated limit again, and as a result of when Kapara is achieved, the case, the Gemara concludes, once again, Yishkoch B'yachachamim La'akor Davar Min HaTorah. Rabbi Yossi Bar Khanina qualifies this to teach us that only in the scenario of Sheva Al-Taseh, 
That's exactly how we began. And when we have a concept of Sheva Al-Tase, which isn't an active suspension of a Deoraisa, but rather a passive suspension of a Mitzvah Deoraisa, which the Chacham have the power to go ahead and the power to, uh, to suspend this, uh, this, uh, this Din uh, on a level of Sheva Al-Tase. So there's a fascinating comment that certainly in the world of Lundus, this, uh, this concept really comes to fruition and provides a tremendous amount of lumdus to uh, really discuss and really uh, interact with. And there's a, uh, an idea that's presented by Rabbi Chanan Wasserman. The great Rabbi Chanan Wasserman, Wasserman Hashem in Komdamo, the, uh, the great Rosh Yeshiva, the Yeshiva in Baranovich. So in his Sefer Kovitz Shirim, Rabbi Chanan Wasserman has a long three-page essay about the topic of Yesh Koach Biyat Chachamim Lakor Davar Minatorah. And uh, we'll speak about Rabbi Chanan Wasserman's Chiddush momentarily, but what the Gemara does is the Gemara then presents seven cases that the Gemara was about to ask but are answered by the concept of Yishkoch Biyad Chachamim Lakor Dover Minator Basheva Al Tase. So before we get to Rabbi Chanan and before we get to the Lundus of Rabbi Chanan, these seven potential questions begin uh, at the top of Daftzadi Amr Aleph. And the first one is the case of an Aurel. We spoke a lot about Aurel uh, in our way through the Masechta. And the question that appears is the following question Somebody converts on Arab Pesach. He's a Jew, and he should be able to eat the Korban Pesach de Oraisa, uh, leading into the holiday of Pesach. But we have a Dinder Abanan that we don't let him go ahead because we're concerned that going forward, he might think that he can get out of other Tumos as well, such as Tumas Mis. If, God forbid, somebody dies in his family on Arab Pesach, he might think, yeah, I can brush away the Tumah because I have a Mitzvah de Oraisa to eat Korban Pesach. And the Rabbanon come along, and the Rabbanon don't allow him to eat from Korban Pesach on that first year, which is, once again, Yesh Koach, Biyar Chachamim Lakor Davar Torah. The second situation where we see this is the Mitzah of Hazah. We have a Mitzah to sprinkle the blood. Blood of a Korban is also the Rabbanon on Shabbos. And in Arab Pesach is on Shabbos. Are we able to sprinkle the blood so he can go ahead and so uh, somebody can achieve a status of Tara, and he'd be able to eat the Korban Pesach? The answer, once again, is no, based on a Dinder Abanan. So we apply a Dinder Abanan, and we don't allow him to eat the Mitzvah del Raisa of Korban Pesach. The third situation that the Gemara presents over here is the case of an Izemel. An Izemel is uh, the Kli, the knife that's used for a bris milah. And the question then becomes, can this Izemel be carried through a Rishus HaRabim, Durabanan, for allow a bris to take place on the eighth day? We know, Vayom HaShmini, Umol Basar, also, that the bris milah has to be done on the eighth day. But the Chachamim come along, and the Chachamim say no. Yishlakwer Davar Minatora B'Sheva Al-Tase, you're not allowed to carry that Izemel through Rishus HaRabim, Durabanan, and we push off the bris milah to, uh, to the next day. We are okir adavar min ha-Torah based on this concept, which is the third uh, example over here that our, uh, that our Gemara gives. The Gemara then goes on to the concept of tzitzis. And we know when it comes to tzitzis, we have a rule of asay dochelosase, that when we have a positive commandment and when we have a negative commandment, so a positive commandment is always going to override a negative commandment. We have this concept of asay dochelosase, that woolen treles can be put on a beggar based on this concept, even though we have uh, what's referred to as shotness over here, and uh, this would be allowed based on this uh, based on this concept. So Chazal were nervous that let's say that we we find ourselves in a 
uh, uh, in a time of the day, for instance, nighttime, or you're wearing a, what's referred to in halacha as a chsus laila. So let's say you're wearing a chsus laila. You're supposed to, uh, you're not supposed to wear tzitzis on a chsus laila. So then you're going to be over, uh, then you're going to be over a, uh, an iser over here. So to prevent this from happening, the rabbanan said that tzitzis shouldn't be worn on any linen garment and allowing uh, and allowed wearing four-cornered linen garments without tzitzis. The fifth situation is what um, we refer to as the kivsei atzeres, which Rashi claims he doesn't really understand, but it refers back to the kivasim that were brought on Shavuos in their relationship with regards to violating Shabbos for their, for, uh, for their fulfillment. And these uh, were korbanos that were shechted, shalolishman, they were shechted not with proper intentions, and as a result, we're not going to be able to offer them on Shabbos again, the sixth case is probably the most uh, relevant case that we know of, that when Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos, the Torah obviously demands that we blow the shofar, but the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Dav Chavtes tells us that we're nervous that people are going to carry Dalaramus Shusarabim to go learn, to go understand how to blow shofar, therefore the Chachamim said up together not to blow shofar on Shabbos Rosh Hashanah. And in the same parsha, the idea of Lulav, that when it comes to Lulav, also based on the Gemara in Sukkah, on Daf Membeis, so we have this similar concept that we don't shake Lulav on Shabbos. Interestingly enough, on the seventh, uh, on this seventh, um, the seventh uh, situation of Yesh Koach Be'achacham Ma'akor Davar Torah. So there's another question that's affected by this issue of uh, of not shaking Lulav. And really, uh, shofar, the same question applies. The question then becomes whether or not you would say shachianu on the next day. So it's a beautiful piece of lambdus, and uh, in uh, quite a few shailos um, and shuvos in the river of Ephraim and Chela Gimel. So uh, he discusses this question as to whether or not you would go ahead and you would um, you would uh, you would. Um, uh, on this next day. The Turiyevin in Megillah maintains that this step of overriding a dindo raisa is only taken when there's a risk of violating a dindo raisa. When it comes to other dine do raisa, that, uh, you know, if we violate something, it'll be good for the rest of the world and it'll be uh, something nice. So then the Chachamim do not have the power to do so. The Chachamim really uh, are bound by Yeshkoch, Chachamim, Torah, only when we uh, we're nervous about a mitzvah oraisa that um, could be neglected, unfortunately. In the case of the uh, Aurel, the case of the Izamel, all of those could potentially lead to a uh, 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 to a, um, a transgression of Edin Doraisa, and uh, we uh, we uh, would allow the Chachamim to uproot Edin in a Doraisa case. So back to what we described just a moment ago from Rebuchano Wasserman. Rebuchano Wasserman, uh, in numerous places, in his sefer called Kobe Tsaros and his Kuntras Divri Sofrim. So he looks at this concept of Yeshlak or Dharma Torah Besheva and he presents three questions that are all really related, uh, one to the second to the third. So his first question is with regards to the nature of the uprooting that's taking place. What's this Akira uh, all about? So on the one hand, is it as the concept of Akira implies that the relevant Din Raisa is actually removed from its obligation? Or is it just that the Din Raisa remains in place but the rabbis come along and the rabbis uh, describe to us, the rabbanon tell us that we should ignore the Dindo Raisa. It's there, but it's ignored. So the question would appear to 
be uh, relevant actually to another uh, another discussion with regards to the scope of Dine de Oraisa. So on one hand, we have uh, many different uh, many different achronim that understand the concept of a Din de Rabbanon, that Dine de Rabbanon are different than Dine de Oraisa. How? So Dine de Oraisa represent an inherent status in the object. There's an Isser Chefza. There's something that's deficient in the uh, the object. While Dine uh, de Rabbanon, so it's something to do with the Isser Gavra. So it's something to do with a person, an individual. So Dine de Rabbanon really reflect a person and the way in which a person interacts with mitzvahs. Dine de Oraisa reflect uh, an item, reflect a Chefza, reflect an object. There's another uh, idea, another concept that's brought down by Rabbi Yosef Engel, who believes, and he's of the opinion, that Dine de Rabbanon uh, and Isurim de Rabbanon, really, can, uh, can, uh, can, can, can develop a level of inherent statuses, which uh, really Hashem is going to agree to what the Rabbanon are, uh, what the Rabbanon enact, what the Rabbanon put into place, and this concept of how we understand uh, Dine de Rabbanon, what role Dine de Rabbanon are, and what they represent, is really, uh, really a part and parcel of this conversation. So again, that's the first question of Rochana Wasserman, is it, uh, is the Din actually uprooted? There's absolutely no obligation or is it just ignored, similar to a conversation we've had previously about Hutcher and Dechuya, something being totally pushed aside, or something just not existing whatsoever? The second question of Rukhana Wasserman is, what does it mean, Sheva al What does that concept mean? So what we have to do is we have to try to understand the concept of Sheva al Is it being passive uh, behaviorally? Or is it something to do with a mitzvah? Is it the way in which and the character and the elements of a mitzvah? Or is it being passive in the fulfillment or in the lacking of fulfillment of a mitzvah? So that's the second question Rabbi Khanan poses. The third question Rabbi Khanan poses is uh, the reason that this Yesh Koach B'Yachacham Lakor B'Davrimena Torah was limited to Shev Va'al Ta'aseh. And Rabbi Khanan goes on to describe two possible theories as uh, as to this uh, as to this concept, and one of those theories is that the uh, the rabbanon and the chachamim, their ability to contradict the Torah only goes so far, and actively uh, going ahead and, and, and neglecting Akash Baruch will, so that's beyond the reach of the chachamim. So therefore, we stop them at Sheva Tase. That's possibility number one as to understand this concept of why we stop at Sheva Tase. The second possibility is that since there's uh, a conflict th- between two different principles, Dine de Oraisa and Dine de Rabbanon. So the Torah's, uh, what the Torah wants again and what the, the, the Chachamim want. So the best possible thing to do is to simply act posit- uh, passively, to not blatantly offend either of these two tzadim, either of these two sides. And therefore, uh, we can stop at Sheva al So these questions are very much related. These three questions of Rochan Wasserman as to how to understand this concept of Yesh Koach Biyat Chachamim, Le'akor Dover Minat Torah. And the three questions, once again, question number one, with regards to uh, what does it mean that we're uprooting, that we're okay or something? Question number two, what does it mean Sheva al And question number three, 
Why do we stop at Shev Va'al Tase? So the Gemara picks up and Chista then tries to bring a proof that the Chacham can even be okay or something in a situation of Kumvase, in an active situation, based on the story of Eliyahu Hanavi at Hara Carmel. So we know the story where Eliyahu Hanavi got to Hara Carmel and he defeated the Nevi Habal. He was Makar of a Korban, but fortunately at that point in time, it was Usser on the Oraisa level to be Makar of Korbanos outside the Mikdash. This was a uh, a din de'oraisa of shchutichutz. You weren't allowed to offer a korban outside of the mikdash. And Rabbi responds that this was a unique case based on the pasuk of a love tishmoon, which seemingly suspends mitzvahs de'oraisa when a navi comes along and a navi tells us something. To the navi, we must listen. But the Gemara answers that we have a situation over here that is referred to, and we see this language coming up numerous times, Migdar Milsa Shiny, that this situation uh, was different. In the case of Eliyahu there was a widespread and rampant idol worship of Odazara that was taking place. And Eliyahu had to act in such a way and suspend the rules of the Torah. And therefore, the Gemara learns out, you can't conclude from this case that Hacham can be Mavatal Adin from the Torah in a Kumvase. Additionally, in the case of Eliyahu Tosos points out, he told them exactly what was going to happen. Therefore, he had much more credibility. He told them a fire was going to come out of Shemayim. This was going to be a uh, an extremely miraculous situation that was taking place over here. So don't learn out from Eliyahu Anavi. The Gemara continues to provide examples of Yeshkoch v'yach Hacham v'makor davar Torah in a situation of Kumvasein, and once again, continues to try to prove this from different places. The Gemara tells us a story about a man riding a horse on Shabbos in the times of the Yavanim, and the Gemara says that he was Chayef Skilo, not because he was deserving of it, because time period called for such a thing, so this is obviously an allusion to the uh, time period in which the Greeks uh, occupied Eretz Yisrael, and placing harsh decrees on the Jewish people uh, was uh, something that the Greeks uh, enacted. So this resulted in tremendous laxity, unfortunately, in the performance of mitzvot and Shabbos and Mila and Rosh Chodesh. Therefore, the Chachamim came along and the Chachamim had to give this person skila. He acted as a, uh, I said, an example. Leman Yishmu that People don't, uh, unfortunately, behave in lax ways. And therefore, the Chachamim had to go ahead and the Chachamim had to do this. So the Gemara concludes to discuss a case of promiscuity, where we have a man who... Went ahead and he was uh, bowl his wife in the uh, in the orchard out under a tree inappropriately out in the open and the chachamim uh, got word of this and the chachamim gave this person malchus in a situation in which it was clear that he wasn't deserving of malchus and the gemara says this is a concept that we have a horah shah uh, the gemara says shot srikalakach so this time period demanded of Bezdin to act in such a way they can violate. Kumvase and go and give Malchus in this situation beyond the laws and beyond what the Torah wants. And the final question we'll deal with is to what extent can Beisdin give Onshin that are in Minat Torah? Again, when we have a Beisdin that's the Oke or Dove or Minat Torah, so in regards to Onshin punishments, so how does Beisdin go about and how much uh, leeway do we give to Beisdin? So there's a Tshuva, I'm going to present two tshuvas now, and then we'll conclude. So the Rashba writes that any community that agrees to put together a group of people, that agrees to appoint the people to get rid of, um, uh, unfortunately, the transgressing of Averos, so they can punish however they want. The group of people were selected. They can uh, they can punish these people in whatever circumstances, in whichever ways they want. They've been elected. There's a tshuva from the tshuva Sarash where there was a situation about a woman who was Mizana with a non-Jew. She had a relationship with a non-Jew. And they asked the Chuvitz, they asked the Rush whether or not they could go ahead and cut off her nose. 
and uh, that would make her uh, disgusting. That would make her, uh, you know, uh, look like she was not a desirable woman. The rush thought that that was actually a pretty good idea, interestingly enough. So seemingly, there are uh, different circumstances that call for us to go beyond the letter of the Torah, obviously with guidance and obviously with, um, with uh, the proper Torah hashkafa and the way in which we, um, we bring Dine Torah. And Ramosha Feinstein points out that in many different shuvas, Ramosha describes the fact that when Ramosha was speaking to, uh, to officials that were looking at the way in which the Gemara describes some of the punishments and some of the onshins and some of the chiyuv uh, misos that the Gemara presents, so Ramosha said, we do not give, uh, rarely did this ever happen, if at all, did it happen that a person that was chayiv miso was actually killed. And Ramosha says that should there be a hurasha that would require it, should there be a time where we would have to go ahead and we would have to give the death penalty. So, uh, you know, because there was uh, whatever was going on, it was some sort of horasha, so we would be able to go ahead and do that. But Bar Hashem, we haven't found ourselves in such a situation. There have been gedarim, there have been uh, safeguards that have been set up in an effort to uh, avoid such a situation and therefore, we uh, we never would have to do that. But should we have to, we would have the opportunity and the uh, really the obligation to go ahead and do that. So, based on all of what we've discussed, it seems that the Gemara concludes over here that Yishkoach in a passive way that we're able to go ahead and we're able to be okay, we're able to uproot something in a passive way. The situations that we described, the world of Aral, the world of Izemel, the world of Kivsei uh, Atzeres, uh, the world of Rosh Hashanah, the world of Lulav, uh, and all of those other situations that the Chachamim have the power to uproot in a passive way. And uh, as the Gemara continues on to discuss the power of the Chachamim, the potential of the Chachamim, and uh, really uh, what comes out of this Gemara from a, uh, from a uh, Musser perspective, I would say, is the amount that we uh, invest in the Chachamim and the way in which we interact with the Chachamim, the respect that we show the Chachamim and the leaders of our generation that have uh, tremendous shoulders to uh, bear the responsibility of uh, leading the Jewish people and our reliance upon them for halachic guidance. That is Mesech Zivamos Daf Tzadi.